Country music. I love country music. Country music. Country music. The future of country music's looking good. I love it. Country confidential. It's really just about believing in yourself and believing in your art. And um, I'm just very grateful that I have the opportunity to trust my gut and release what I want to release. Country confidential. It's a common misconception that you need to be signed to a record label in order to be successful in country music. I mean, we hear so many stories from artists where their primary goal at the beginning of their career is to sign a recording contract. But that's not always what makes an artist successful. And the ones that I got to chat with are proof, and you'll hear it in this episode. I got to sit down with Smithfield, Alexandra Kay, Drew Baldridge, and Spencer Crandall to talk about their experiences navigating Nashville without a music label. And y'all know me, I got all the secrets and untold stories about their experience. I'm your host, Backstage Bobby, and this is Country Confidential, no label, no problem. Smithfield is a modern country duo made up of Trey Smith and Jennifer Fielder. The duo formed in 2011 and have mastered conveying a blend of genres and sounds while staying true to their country roots. Both Jennifer and Trey take on duties of singer and songwriter equally. Now residing in Nashville, the duo is one of the most successful indie country duos in town. But I wanted to know how it all began from the sources themselves. Trey and I, we go back three generations in a small town in Texas, Waxahachie. Uh, not many people know where that's at, so I say Dallas area. <laughs> Try to remember how to say that. Yes. Um, and so our families, like our grandparents went to high school together and our parents went to high school together. And so we met when we were little kids. I was 10, Trey was 12. And um, we didn't grow up singing together. So I grew up singing country music my whole life all over Texas. And Trey was in a rock band. He was the front man and the lead singer. And so when the rock band broke up, um, they were in college. And I was wanting to move to Nashville because it was like always my dream to do this and and pursue it as a full-time career. And so his cousin um, was like, man, Jen, I've seen you guys sing separately your whole lives and I just think you'd be so good together and I was like just being nice (laughs) and like because I didn't want to do it and but I was like our grandparents talk and they're friends so I have to say yes and I really thought it was going to be just like a friendly thing and then move on with my life but it it changed my life and and I believe Trey's life completely because we sang a Keith Urban song was the first song we ever sang together um who wouldn't want to be me and we discovered that we have beautiful harmonies together that we have been cultivating and um, trying to perfect. I don't think we'll ever be perfect, but trying to perfect for a decade in Nashville. And so, yeah, that's just where our humble beginning. It seems like country music was always Jennifer's plan A, but was it always the path for Trey? But music was always my plan A um, because I've just always grown up with such an eclectic blend that started out I think I had a poster of Garth Brooks on my wall when I was three years old. And I started out with that, but then I went through phases of rock and classic rock and, you know, R&B, pop music. So I, I like to say that music was always my plan A, you know, whatever route that took. And I just kind of let it take its natural course and it, it led to Jennifer. I love when a good plan comes together, but a plan, no matter how good, always has its ups and downs. I think it's easy to romanticize the glitz and glamour of Nashville, We so easily forget that the path to success is rarely a smooth one. I wanted to know what some of the challenges Jennifer and Trey faced when making the leap to Music City. 
you think in your mind, like, I'm going to be a superstar because just because I move here and, you know, you realize that maybe at first, unless you know somebody or you kind of have an in already, you think you're going to be doing music every day. But the harsh reality, at least in our case, like we come from middle class families, you know, we don't really like come from a lot to be able to support us. So we had to support ourselves. And so the harsh reality, first off the bat was like, oh, I got to get a part-time job and I, I got to pay my rent. And like, <laughs> you know, both of us were fresh out of, of college. So it was like the first time we were on our own as well, which is just scary in general, um, much less being away from your family in a whole other state. So that was the first harsh reality was just trying to make ends meet while chasing your dream. Um, the next hardship, you know, we were very fortunate to be offered a record deal early on and we were like, well, dang, we thought Nashville was going to be hard. We got a record deal in eight months. We're going to be huge stars. And then um, we did our record with this label. And a few months before our first radio tour and our first single was supposed to come out, um, they called us and they said, we're closing our doors in 48 hours and you don't get your music back and you owe us a hundred grand and you're tied in this deal until somebody buys you out. And we're like, I mean, I'm 23 years old. And I'm a young kid. I won't tell you how old I was. <laughs> Dre's only two years older than me. I don't want you to guess how old I am yeah. now. So. <laughs> but um, that was the first hardship, really. Like, I've never felt like an object before until we were in that situation. But, like, they were trying to sell us off like we were, you know, a piece of property. And we're humans. And so that was really hard to go through. And, you know, and then we were later on um, trying to figure out how to get our music out there. We'd spent so much time writing all these songs and so um, having to do a Kickstarter and raise the money online and build a fan base organically. And, you know, then we were in a second deal that didn't work out. It was more of like an investor was uh, helping us, you know, fund our music and do what we love to do. But then we go on a radio tour independently and, and find out like, oh, my gosh, country radio is its own beast. Um, don't do it unless you have a label. Um, so we've just, you know, we've learned a lot of hard lessons, but, um, I'm really grateful for that because those hardships have helped us build what we've built today. And, um, I'm really, I'm grateful for them in the long run. I think it's hopefully going to set us up for success later. Wow. That story really speaks to Smithfield's passion and perseverance. While they discussed some of the trials they've had, I also wanted to know what some of the advantages they felt they had while navigating country music as indie artists. You know, that's the discussion we've had a lot this past year because we kind of had to look at each other and say, hey, we're not on a major, major record label, but that doesn't have to be a detriment always to us. What are things we can do as independent artists that they can't? Um, a lot of people don't understand when you sign a record deal, you're on a roster with other artists mm -hmm. and they like to make plans and there's a certain pecking order in that plan. And there's also a schedule they have of when they're going to release stuff. And typically when you sign that first record deal, they're in complete total control of when you release something, how you release it, timeline, they can push it back whenever they want to. So we looked at each other and we said, you know, one thing we can do that they can't is we can release music whenever the we want to. And so <laughs> we were just like, it's completely up to us. If we want to release a song tomorrow, we can do it. And so we need to get more guerrilla warfare on this thing because that's something we can do that they can. So I think this year we really kind of regrouped and said, we need to start acting and owning the fact that we're an independent artist and start releasing music to people who want to hear it. I got to say, I really loved getting a deeper look into the music industry from the perspective of an indie artist. I asked Trey and Jennifer if there was a a specific moment that they realized that they could live their dream without a big recording contract. 
we've never owned our music um, throughout our entire career. I mean, like in little periods, but um, when we, you know, we're with label entities, you know, they, a lot of people don't realize that they own your masters, they own your songs. And so we never saw any of the benefits of all of our hard work, um, which if you are in a great deal where they are pushing you and they are pushing you to the masses and you're on a big tour and you got a radio hit and you're winning awards, that's a lot of value. And, and, you know, we're not going to say we, we don't desire that because of course we do, but we just kind of got to the point where we were like, okay, if that isn't in our path, does that still mean that we can't do what we love to do? Absolutely not. Um, we make great music and we can learn to build this thing on our own. And so um, that's just what we've been doing. And, and we've seen the benefits of that. And for the first time in the past year and like, you know, we don't make a, a lot, but we're able to like pay our bills and stay in Nashville and do something that we love to do. Not have to stock grocery store shelves anymore. <laughs> yes. Or deliver pizza. I mean, I was a Postmater for a while. And now when I get Postmates, I'm like, I got to tip them good because I know what it's like. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, those are just the hardships that you go through. You work all kinds of crazy jobs. So for us to be able for the very first time this past year, utilize platforms like TikTok, utilize our social media more than ever, release more frequently, like Trey was saying, you know, when you're at a label, they could say, yeah, we're going to release a single in a month, but then it doesn't come out for two years. You know, it's like there's pros and cons to to both sides. Um, but we are just trying to look at all the pros and positives of being indie. I think one of the reasons Smithfield is so successful is their positive mindset. Being an indie artist isn't for everyone. But one of their most prevalent things in the indie space right now is the power of social media. I wanted to get their take on how having a strong social media presence can help an indie artist. TikTok, I feel like, is one of the truly untapped and uninfluenced outlets to the fans. And when I say that, I mean, I, I just mean that there are certain advantages you have to being on a major label um, with a lot of, you know, digital service providers and different people like that. And I think TikTok is one of the few that is truly unbiased in the sense that, like, when you put a video out, it's going to go to the same people that it would a major label artist or whoever it would be. And everyone is almost put on equal playing field um, in that aspect of just engagement and exposure to people. So I feel like as an independent artist, it's one of the greatest tools you have to reach just a mass audience in the most organic way. Yeah. And I was going to say, you know, we were totally against, we're, we're late to the TikTok game. I'm just going to be honest. We were like, we are real artists. We don't do silly, dumb dances. We're not trying to be trendy and cool. We're not funny. <laughs> I, do that on, I do that on my own personal time. Yeah. Um, we were just like, we're, we're not doing this. So we didn't get on in 2020. But then when we were releasing our music last year, we were like, okay, I always feel like you adapt or you die, right? I don't want to become, as I get older, I don't want to become that person that doesn't adapt to the times. So we were like, let's be ourselves. Like what makes Smithfield special? When you get down to brass tacks, it's our harmony. Okay. And so we wanted to pick one or two, three max things that we do on this platform that is a Smithfield brand. So Trey had this idea that we would do Carmony. So we would get in the car and uh, Trey would surprise me or I would surprise him. We would take turns and pick a song. And one of us would have to immediately pick out the harmony and sing with it. And we would get it on film. And so that was kind of like our first big video. 
So we were like, okay, maybe that can become our thing on TikTok. So we would do lots of harmonies or we would do covers. But then we were releasing new music and we were like, okay, we're seeing a lot of our indie friends like Drew Baldridge, Spencer Crandall, Alana Springsteen, Alexandra Kay, who've been on the platform for years and I think are masters at it. And I'm like, well, look what they're doing, Trey. Like we're already in the car. Like we need to share our original music. Like we need to drive people to not just love our harmony, but love our songs. And so that became the second thing that we did on TikTok. And, and what we currently do that works best for us is we just share our hearts and our stories. And we are basically like, okay, this is what this song is about. Like we have a song, we'll figure it out. That is just in something sexy. Both have done very well on that platform. Um, but it's about how you prompt people. And so we would point to a box and we would say, you know, like, share with somebody that you can't live without. And it's a love song. And it's like, people get so engaged with that because those songs tug their heartstrings and then they want to share it with their significant other. All the while it is sharing our song and our music and driving streams and driving sales. Um, so, you know, it's been a beautiful thing to discover in our own way and what makes Smithfield special and just keep driving that home on that platform. And it's, it's really helped our fan base grow. Well, that's the thing I was saying about like just the level playing field. There's literally major label artists that are looking at these indie artists on how to TikTok. Yeah. Because if you look around, it truly is like these guys have mastered it because we almost, we almost have to. Yeah. Know? Just for the listeners out there. And I can't say the name and I never would, but a very like successful artist who is one of our really good friends was telling us, that even when she had her label meeting and they were talking about picking the next single, and I'm talking, this is somebody who's won major awards. They are picking the next single based off of a video that went viral on TikTok. And this person is like, are you kidding me? Like I am here and you are picking from what? So it's across the board. My case rests. I'm just trying to say. And I don't know how long that's going to last, but I encourage like other artists while it's in the moment and while it's here, don't be like us. Don't wait. Just dive in, find your thing and, and utilize it to build a career because you can, you really can. I love that Trey and Jennifer are not afraid to take advantage of social media and spread their music and their message. With a decade under their belt, I wanted to know what advice they had for other emerging indie artists. You have got to get used to the word no, <laughs> because it's just going to happen and not everyone's going to get it. And I guess my, my biggest thing is don't lose sight of who you are as an artist from the no's, because this town has a very bad habit of making you forget who you are and what you do. Mm -hmm. um, because of all the rejection, but you've got to stay the course. And it doesn't mean you can't adapt. There's a fine line between changing and adapting, but just never try to lose focus of like what you're trying to say as an artist and what you're trying to, to make, because it's easy to say, oh, well this, you know, 20 people said no to this, so it must not be good. I better change what I do, you know? And, and it's the people that stay the course and really see it through that I feel like end up being successful. And depending on what your success is and what you define it to be. I love that. Um, I would say, and it kind of touches on that, but just, you know, we never set out and said, we want to be these amazing independent artists. You know, we came here and we shot for the stars and we're still shooting for the stars and there's nothing wrong with that. There's we've grabbed a few along the way. <laughs> we've grabbed a few along the way. Grand Ole Opry. Yes. Um, major festivals and tours. Yes. Songs on the radio. Yes. Like, 
Definitely. Have we reached the pinnacle to, to what we dreamed about? Absolutely not. Um, I think there are limitations uh, to being an indie artist. You know, if you want the awards and you want TV and the massive tours, you know, you kind of do have to have that label entity on board eventually. So we're open to that if that comes in our path, if it's the right partner. But if it's not, my advice would be, and I think I touched on this earlier, is just if this is your dream, if you wake up in the morning and you're like, all I can think about be and want to be is a singer, a songwriter, an artist, and get my music out to people and connect with people. You can do that. And I think so many people move to town and they think I've got to get a record deal or I can't do this. And that is just not true. You may not be able to do it at this super extremely high level that you dream about, but you can build a business. You can build a career and you can do something that you love to do. And so I just hope that our story and our journey and the other indie artists journeys encourage people to not let the, you know, five, six gatekeepers of Nashville keep them from doing something that they love to do. These guys have been going at this for a decade. So they've shared many moments, both big and small together, but they shared with me what their proudest moment has been so far. I, I mentioned earlier, I grew up playing in Texas and in Texas and all our little small country towns, we have small town Opry's. So I did that from age nine all the way up until I was 21 and joined Smithfield. And so for me, like the Grand Ole Opry was the Super Bowl. <laughs> like when you grew up doing that your whole life, singing other people's songs and performing to get to perform my own, our own song that we wrote in that sacred circle and be in it like 33, 34 times at this point is like, like if, even if I quit tomorrow, I can tell my grandkids that someday. You know what I mean? Like I, that's my proudest moment. I don't know if I can consolidate to one single moment, but I'll tell you the moments that I feel the, the most proud um, is the moments. There's been a few occasions where we've played a show. I'll take it one in Colorado, for example, and there was a massive crowd of like 10,000 people and just like yelling the lyrics to one of our songs to us. And uh, I think anytime something like that happens, I mean, because there's so much music out there to consume, like the fact that that many people have connected with our music and not only listened to it, but like memorized it and love it is probably one of the most humbling experiences of doing it. Especially as an indie, I especially as an independent, but, but especially just as any any artist, any artist yeah. independent or label, or whatever you do, that's just that's incredible. Yes, I agree. Alexandra Keg grew up in Waterloo, Illinois, and started writing songs as a teenager to cope with, well, being a teenager, heartbreaks and finding herself, all the things we go through. She also auditioned for American Idol in 2011, and after three rounds, was eliminated. But that only fueled her fire more. She's since found a way to capture the attention of country music fans everywhere and even starred in a Netflix reality show, West Side, which showcased her journey in the country music industry in LA alongside eight other artists. She's also amassed a whopping 3.1 million followers on TikTok, where she's been able to share her life and country music journey with her fans. She's really taken the country music world by storm this year. The biggest memory in my brain when it comes to country music and the one that sticks out the most is just driving with my parents. I know that sounds crazy because like nobody in my family sang or played an instrument or anything like that. So it was like, that is really where I think 
I found my love for country music was just the long drives and me sitting in the backseat of the car and staring out the window. We were just talking about this the other day and I would just create these like music videos in my head and just fell in love with the storytelling aspect of country music. I mean, that's where my love affair with it started, really. I love that Alexandra could visualize her country music dreams from such a young age. But I wanted to know if being a country star was really always plan A. Very early in my life, I thought that I would go to college on scholarship and I would play softball. That was the end game for us and our family. And so we each played on like a very elite select club team from when we were 11 until I left when I was 18. And I decided not to take my scholarships that I was offered to college and I decided to pursue music. So I guess there was a point in my life when that was my main goal. That's all I thought about. Um, but that very quickly shifted when I became about 14 and I started writing songs. And then, you know, I remember sitting in my room and telling my mom, like, there is no plan B. Like, this is what I want to do. I want to be in music and I'm not going to let anything stand in my way. So I don't need a plan B. Um, and, you know, she thought that that was very... <laughs> immature, which it was, I guess, back then. But it really is what drove me to never give up on this, regardless of all the no's that I received over the years. Never give up regardless of the no. What fantastic advice. One of the many lessons that we all learn in the difficult pursuit of our dreams. But I was curious to know what other lessons Alexandra has learned throughout her country music journey. How to accept rejection and take it and grow from it. I used to listen to what everybody said and kind of take it as fact. And so if one person said, you're not right for this opportunity, um, whether it was an audition, whether it was, you know, sitting down with my first record label, whether it was wanting to write a song with somebody who didn't want to, you know, didn't think I was ready to be in the room with, um, you know, there's a lot of things that, you know, I could have turned around and been like, well, I'm not good enough. And instead I was like, okay, I'm not supposed to be doing this right now. And so I kind of looked at where I needed to grow as an artist and I mean, I look back every single year and I try to, you know, think about where I was then and where I am now and look at how, how much I've grown. I really love Alexandra's perspective and how she approaches her career. One of her talents, aside from music, is her great ability to connect with her fans directly. Whenever I took to Facebook in 2014, and that was my first platform that I started, I guess, going viral on, um, that was when I started to realize... <laughs> how crazy social media was and how it could really change my life. And then now, you know, look where we're at now. You know, now I'm on an entire, almost completely sold out tour with two other independent artists um, touring across the country because of social media and because of not being afraid to just get on the internet and sing my songs and share my talent and, and my love for music with the world. And so um, I think that right now, everybody just needs to get out and do it. We don't have any excuses anymore. Alexandra's journey has been nothing short of amazing. And getting over her own fears and excuses, she's been able to make an incredible career for herself. From viral TikToks to sold out tours, her hard work is really shining through. I also wanted to get Alexandra's take on what advantages indie artists have in the country music space. Well, you know, there are a lot of financial advantages. Um, I think that, uh, I think we, we all kind of know that. There are a lot of things that I think people don't really talk about when it comes to percentages um, and royalty rates and things that you kind of give away when you decide to sign to a label. I think that there are a lot of independent artists, and I was one of them whenever I first got started, you know, I thought I needed a manager right off the bat, right? There are so many things that you can be doing 
by yourself until you need to bring on a manager. And then as soon as you bring on a manager, you know, that's 15, 20% of your money gone. The, a big thing about independent, being an independent artist is you've got to fund your own career. So as the money is coming in, it's going right back out. Um, I think there's a common misconception that, you know, we're out here just like bringing in the buku box, right? But we are fully investing it back into our career. So I think that there are a lot of advantages financially, but there are also disadvantages financially. We don't have a lot of the connections that the major labels have. We don't have the financial budgets that the major labels have. We don't have the radio, you know, the opportunity to have radio play like the major record labels can get us that opportunity. And unless you have a song right now that you know is going to blow up at radio and you want to take to radio and you are ready to drop hundreds of thousands of dollars on a radio campaign for that song, you don't need a label. I really love Alexandra's transparency. Aside from fiscal advantages of a label, I wanted to know what creative advantages she feels like she has over someone signed to a record deal. The fact that I can, at any point in the day, hop on TikTok and I can share a song that I wrote that day and I can say, hey guys, what do you think of this? And if it blows up, I have the opportunity to go to whoever my independent distributor is, whether it be TuneCore, whether it be CD Baby, whether it be DistroKid, whatever I'm using, and I can put it on within the next two or three days without having to ask permission from anybody. You know, I can write with who I want to write with. I can write the songs I want to write. I can release the songs I want to release and I can do it on my own timeline. And that's so important. And whenever I, I had a major record deal, I had an independent record deal and I had a major record deal. Um, and when I was at my major record label, you know, I had these songs that I really truly believed in and they, they didn't feel the same, which was totally fine. And that's another thing. You're not going to please everybody. You're not going to please every single one of the people on Facebook or TikTok or Instagram, and you're not going to please everybody in the executive positions as well. And so it's really just about believing in yourself and believing in your art. And, um, I'm just very grateful that I have the opportunity to, trust my gut and release what I want to release. Alexandra's gut must be a very trustworthy source. Seriously, the career she's been able to create by herself is so inspiring. With all that Alexandra has accomplished in her career so far, I wanted to know which milestone in her journey has been her favorite. You know, the Tim McGraw moment was absolutely incredible. And I've got things that I, I can't talk about right now, but I'm definitely about to hit the best time in my career. This past week, so many things have happened and things have changed drastically and I'm so excited to see where I'm going to go. But up until this point, um, I would say it's this tour. This tour has been my baby. We, it's our baby. We have worked so hard on it and we refused for it to fail. And, you know, it's so crazy for us. And we've all kind of talked about this to, to walk into rooms and, you know, we have managers and agents coming up to us, asking us how we did what we're doing. And that is one, the biggest compliment, but also just a testament to our work and our work ethic, because we got together, me, Cooper and Thomas, we got together every single week. We made content. We posted every single day about these tours. We posted on our stories. We made clever content to get people to click on our ticket links. We drove it into the ground and we refused for it to fail. And we went from playing 200 cap venues in a van to 300, 400, 500 cap venues in a tour bus to now we are, you know, selling out thousand cap rooms in a tour bus within three runs of this tour, all ourselves. And we have a great team around us. We have an awesome tour manager who helps us. Our band is amazing. My tour manager, Beth at Sound Talent Group has booked it all herself. We are so in this and it's not even to prove anything to anybody but ourselves. This tour has been my baby and it's definitely been my biggest milestone of my career and in my life, really. 
Drew Baldridge was literally moving cows with his brother on his family farm in Patuka, Illinois, when he fully realized his musical destiny. After years of living in Nashville and experimenting with his sound, Drew understood his new roots and direction. All it took was a trip back to his hometown to connect to country. Today, Drew was one of the most successful indie country artists in the game. I got to catch up with Drew at his Chicago show at Joe's Live to stop and chat a little bit more about his journey as a country artist. Yeah, so I grew up, you know, my town is only 500 people. So super, super small. And um, it's in Southern Illinois. So we were only like, you know, two hours from Kentucky and, and, and grew up on a farm. You know, my grandpa farmed and so our whole life I learned to drive on a tractor. And um, it was just my way of living and, and grew up singing in church and so when I started singing songs and just the way I talked and everything it was just like man I, I loved country music it was it was life for me you know I think of songs of like Red Dirt Road and um, I was born country by Alabama and those songs just just really shaped me and those were kind of the, the songs that were like wow country music's about life and, and, and this is what I know and, and so I started singing in bars when I was probably 17 and uh I just kind of realized everybody else in our area, you know, thought the same way as me and, and, and lived this kind of way and then moved to Nashville, obviously, at 19. But just growing up, there's not a lot of country singers. You know, you think there there's, you know, Brett Eldridge and Allison Krauss and David Lee Murphy and Gretchen Wilson um, all around southern Illinois area that is, uh, they put out super, super country stuff. And a lot of people, like when I first moved down there, they're like, oh, you're from Illinois or Yankee or whatever. You know, like they, they're like, you, you don't know country. And, and it's like, no, like I bet my town's countryer than your town. You know, like it's, it's almost like my town's smaller than your town. Um, it's so funny, but it's just like there's country everywhere. And, um, you know, I think people don't, when they hear my songs, they don't know any other different than what they would have anybody from Georgia or anything different. I can personally attest to Southern Illinois being country. My family's 175-year-old farm is tucked between two towns with nothing less than 2,500 people. I mean, that's small. Coming from such a small town himself, he has such big dreams and a love for country music. I wanted to know if Drew felt that country music was always his destiny. Sports was always plan A. So I was, you know, I played basketball, travel basketball, and then I played a uh, little travel baseball, and I was going to go to college to play, uh, to pitch and things like that. And um, I just decided, like, when I was about 17, when I started playing in bars, it just kind of filled me up. And singing in church, it was just like, man, I love this. And I played sports my whole life. And I'm, I don't want to wonder, what if I would have moved to Nashville? What what if I would have taken a shot? And so when I was about 18, I realized I started my first year of college. And every month I would go down to Nashville for a week. And I would just meet people and write songs. And I was just like, man, I'm going to try this. I'm going to move down. I'm not going to, you know, not going to say what if in my life. And, and I didn't take any baseball or basketball scholarship. I just left it. My little town at 19, I'll never forget my parents dropping me off and them leaving and thinking, what am I doing? You know, I have a couch, I got a bed and a TV. And I just sat there and cried. I don't know anybody really. I, you know, I'm 19. I don't know how to drive in this city for one thing because it's massive compared to what I'm used to. Coming from a town that had more yield signs and stop signs and no red lights. And now it's like freaking one ways and interstates and all the things and, and so that was just it was a big culture shock for me and it took me a long time to get used to it and, and sometimes I'm still not used to it today but man moving down there I, I was not at all this was not at all when I was I was about 17 it wasn't plan a it was always like 
hey, this is fun, and I don't know what I can do with this. I always loved it, but it wasn't anything that was like, I'm going to go and try to be a country singer. And, and now, looking back, I'm so glad that we did it. I mean, once I moved and I said I was going to do this, there was no, look, it was plan A. Like, all the eggs were in that basket, baby. I mean, it was it was nothing else. I moved down. I tell a lot of people now, too. It's like, hey, if you're going to come down here and be ha- one leg in, one leg out, it ain't. it probably won't wor- work for you. Like, this is a business you have to be engulfed in. You have to put all your life, everything, almost on hold for a while till you figure this out. You know, you have to go out every night. You have to meet people. You have to be writing songs. You got to be playing shows. There's not just, oh, I might go down there and write a song or two and see if it works. It's like, no, you got to work your butt off. And people don't see that. You know, they see the 45 minutes or 75 minutes you're on stage. And it's like, no, they need to be writing songs and moving down there and giving so much stuff up, family time. I mean, sacrifice so much to come to move to Nashville to do it. I love that Drew turned country music into his plan A and learned a lot along the way in order to be successful. Beyond that, I love Drew's positive attitude and relentless effort to be great at his craft. Drew also shared with me what he felt the advantages were of being an indie artist in country music. I think there's so many pros and cons, you know, they, they have both. For me, you know, I have I have had a record deal and I was in that system for a while and it was really good to me and I made a lot of um, relationships at country radio and country radio is still so important in, in our genre. I mean, that's the stamp of approval from, from fans and everybody. I mean, that's where you win Entertainer of the Year. That's how you do it. I've been independent for the last two years and it's been the biggest two years of my career because I think for me, I was just like, okay, I'm just going to put out the songs I love and I'm not going to have anybody's opinion. I'm just going to, um, if that moves me, I'm going to produce it this way. And I think people really have reacted to my organic of, of what I feel or, or how, and I believe it when I sing it on stage, when I'm making videos of social media, it just comes off more authentic than anything I've ever done when I was at a label or anything, not, not to say that I was at a bad label. It was just, there was a lot of opinions that were in the pot and I would listen to all of them. And, 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 you know, I think everybody should listen to people that have been there and done it. And for me at that time where I was at that label, it just wasn't working. I was putting out things that I didn't love a hundred percent. And, and things that I was like, oh, well, they like this, so everybody must like this. I don't love it, but I'm going to put it out anyways. And so now it's not the case. It's like I'm only putting songs out that I love, that I'm passionate about. The way I produce it, I, I have to feel something. The video, Even down to the music video, I'm not putting a music video out if I don't like it. There's no reason to. That's the other thing is the independent. You're funding it all yourself, you know. So your money means so much more. Um, I mean, technically, if you're at a label, it's still your money, but it's not like it's almost like more like a loan, you know, and then you have to pay that back eventually. But when it's coming out of your pocket and it's like, OK, I got to make this video for two thousand dollars. Well, I'm going to make sure that it's legit. You know, like this is a couple thousand bucks is coming out of my pocket, even when I'm producing it. Like, OK, I'm spending thousands and thousands of dollars on production. I need to get this thing right. And, and make sure that it's good because this is money out of my pocket. Arguably, one of the biggest and best social media platforms for indie artists right now is TikTok. And Drew has thrived with consistent viral posts and over 1 million followers. TikTok has just really changed our lives in the last year. And I think a lot of uh, independent artists, that's been the case in the last 18 months, is, is TikTok. And, and it's been a platform that we didn't have because... When we were at Country Radio and had a label deal, we wasn't getting played in the daytime. We wasn't getting played, we wasn't top 40, so there was no other way for people to find our music. And so when we 
had this platform where we could try a song out and say, hey guys, what do you think? And all of a sudden it gets 10 million views and you're like, people are loving this, they're liking it. And, and this is a platform now where people can hear my music. And we never had that. So it gave you some sort of confidence as an artist of, of like, wow, I am making music that people want. I just never had a, a platform that people could hear it as, as big as this. And so um, we put out, the first song was called That's You. We put it up there and that was about a year ago, a little over a year ago. And it took, you know, it got two million views and people all around the country heard it. And then right after that, we followed up with Beach Ain't One and it got three or four million views. And we're like, wow, this is really growing. And then we followed that up with She's Somebody's Daughter. And, and it was just like, yeah, it just blew wide open. And it was unbelievable the amount of videos I got and, and uh, just from social media all of a sudden we were top 25 all genre on Spotify viral and, and it was like wow we're not in a playlist and we were number seven in Sweden number six in Norway like Africa we were trending in Shazam and and it was like what is happening and, and it was all from social media and just being independent and putting out songs that I was passionate about and now you know, I hope that we can take what we've grown, and uh, I'm not saying I want to be independent forever. I want a partner. I want to be at country radio. I want to be entertainer of the year. That's the goal, you know, and in order, there hasn't been anybody that's done that independent yet. Um, not saying that that can't be done, but I think right now where we're at in country music, we still need that partner. We still need country radio. It's still a vital, important part of our music and our genre, and I think it will be for a while. Trending in Africa? Wow. Like I said, social media has changed the game for people like Drew and so many other indie artists. Even though he talked about having a partnership with a record label being a goal of his, I wanted to know if there was a specific moment that Drew knew he really didn't need that label to make his dreams come true. All of last year when COVID hit, I played private shows all around the country. And so I did this tour called the Baldridge and Bonfires Tour. I couldn't play any other way. And I posted on socials like, hey, I can't play shows. Who wants a show in your backyard? And so we were getting thousands of messages. I was like, oh my goodness, this is crazy. Like, I can't believe all these people want shows. And we ended up playing 200 of them in a matter of a year and a half or two. But when this was taking off, I was riding with Alex. We were on a, we did 20 shows in 19 days on that run. And, and we were in the van, it was just us two, and we were driving around just my guitar. We'd drive five, six hours, play a show, drive five or six hours, play a show. And um, that was the moment that it was taking off. And we were in the car and we were just like, what the freak is happening? Like every every video I posted, millions of views. And I posted again, and then all of a sudden, all around the world, people, not only the videos that I was making, people started making their own videos and it became a trend. And, and, and that was something that you can't control. It was just a phenomenon, like girls started acting out the song and then that, those were getting millions of views. And then they would take those videos and then they would duet them and show their dad and their dad would be sobbing and crying and, and I would just cry along with them, you know? And, and it was definitely a validation for, for me because I've been at this for eight years at that time, nine years. You know, I moved to Nashville 10 years ago. June will be 11 years. And um, you start getting crazy in your head. You know, you're like, man, am I doing right? Like, God, give me a sign. <laughs> like, please, I've been here for so long and I've sacrificed so much to be here and I want this opportunity. And so when you're driving along and all these, all of a sudden you're, you look down, your sound has 100,000 videos made. And then all those videos have millions of views and then you're over 100 million impressions on TikTok. And then now we looked at it yesterday before coming here and the sound has 300,000, over 300,000 
um, videos made to it. And so it was definitely a validation like, hey, we belong. And I think Nashville sort of took a recognition. I can't say they really did in a big way, um, but the fans did. And, and we're out here on this headline tour, and every night when we play that song, it has been a special moment. All the phones come out. They're singing every word. We've never had anything like that. And most people at my merch table, because I always meet everybody afterward, they're coming up and they're like, hey, we saw you on TikTok. Hey, we saw this song. It made me follow you. We saw this song. We followed you. You know, I made a video for my dad. My dad's here, and that's why I brought him. And, and it's like, that's been the biggest validation ever is because of the, the drive of social media to get people to these shows. I couldn't end my conversation with Drew without asking what advice he had for other independent country artists. It just depends on where they're at in their, in their career. You know, I think if you're sitting at home right now and you're wondering, hey, do I want to be a country artist? Well, you know, luckily now, I know some people that have just put videos up on TikTok of their songs and all of a sudden they're getting a record deal and they've never played a show in their life. Do I think that's right? I don't really know. You know, like, there's a part of me that is very, like... I don't know if it's jealous or envious like man I wish I would have had that 10 years ago when I could have sit at home and put up songs but I still really think that no matter what if you're at home and you're trying to make these videos and you're getting some success you have got to get your butt to Nashville like or or you know if you're making pop music whatever kind of music it is that you're making LA Austin Texas I mean there's plenty of places that you can make music and do it professionally you have to surround yourself with people that are want the same thing and they want the same goals and they're writing every day you got to be writing songs every day if you if you're a singer out there and you're just like hey i like singing well you can do cover videos all day long and get some views but why are you here it's because you want to be a creator and you want to make a difference and, and so you need to start writing songs you need to write a lot of songs and some people it works out you know i have friends that are on TikTok and they posted two two videos and they never played a show in their life and then warner records is calling them and saying hey I saw your video. It has you put out this one song in your life, and it got a million streams. And so we want to offer you a record deal. And they've never played a day in their life. And, and so, and and those record deals are, are, you know, anybody out there that's listening, that has had a song that has blown up, and a record company comes to you, make sure you're not getting screwed. Get your lawyer. You know, like get a lawyer involved. If all of a sudden they're trying to put you in for 20 years, and and not saying that there's bad people out there, but even I've gotten offered crap deals because she, somebody's daughter blew up or whatever. And I'm like, look, no, like I know what this master money is making me. And, and obviously I want to be a partnership, but this is a partner now. Like I've done this. I, I've done these, you know, these years of experience. And, and so that's a whole other topic, but make sure if you do get a, a record deal offer, you have a lawyer, um, move to Nashville, write your songs, do not, and this is the hardest thing ever, do not compare yourself to what's going on around you because that is devastating. We all do it. We have friends. You know, I mean, I remember writing, I mean, this is just an off-topic story, but I remember I had a record deal, and I was writing songs with Luke Combs, and he couldn't get a record deal. And he was like, man, I don't know what to do. Like, I can't get anybody to sign me. I got these songs. You know, Sirius XM, the highway won't even play me, and this was before Hurricane. And, and I was like, man... And I had a deal, you know, and I had a song going up the chart. And, and I was like, bud, like, you're going to do it. Like, whatever you're doing, you're, you're doing it. You're already making money off your records. And that just goes to show you, like, look where he's at now and look where I'm at now. It's reversed. And not that it's bad. I'm saying that, you know, we hope to get back up there one day. But it's just like, don't compare yourself to others because everybody has their own timeline. God has a plan for you and what you want to do. And, and you've got to 
keep your head down and, and not look at all the noise around you. It's like, okay, what makes you different is not a bad thing. What makes you different is awesome. That's what makes you unique. That's what makes it special. You know, when Sam Hunt came out, do you think people was like, wow, some of this is weird, but what was it? It was different. And now look at him. You know, he has his own style. It's his own thing, you know. And, and I think a lot of people sometimes realize, well, I'm different. Well, different could be good if it's, if it's right. And, and so keep riding. Keep your head down. Don't compare yourself. And just, uh, man, don't give up. Denver native Spencer Crandall has always had a love of music. Crandall identifies more as a music fan than a musician himself, but maybe that's exactly what makes him so popular. He's amassed over 200,000 monthly listeners and over 5.5 million career streams on Spotify. He also has an impressive resume when it comes to other artists he's performed with. He's performed with the likes of Dustin Lynch, Scotty McCreary, Josh Turner, and more. He has a knack for catchy lyrics paired with his stellar vocals. There's really no surprise that he has some incredible stats for someone with no formal record deal. But don't let me do all the talking. Spencer shared his incredible story with me himself. My manager and I just celebrated seven years together. So we were talking about this the other day, just of this like, holy cow, I'll get into the beginning to where we are now. And it's it's a lot. So I grew up playing sports and that was what I thought I wanted to do with the rest of my life. And then I went to go play college football and quickly had two massive shoulder reconstruction surgeries on each of my shoulders. <laughs> so uh, what I thought was my identity and what I wanted to do was taken away from me. And so I was so bored. I was so sad in my dorm room and I had this little like Walmart guitar that I stole from my little brother that I thought I was going to play in my spare time. And I picked it up and I literally went on YouTube, like how to play a song, how to play a chord and just taught myself how to play the guitar um, in my dorm room. And then um, started learning to, you know, cover songs. And I started to to write songs and I fell in love with songwriting and they weren't good, but I really loved them. And so I remember, you know, I would have friends come over at like a pregame before a party, I'd play some covers. And then eventually someone would be like, play something original. And then somebody texts me the next day and was like, Hey, do you have a recording of that? I'd love to listen to that. And that flipped something. I was like, I only want to do this for the rest of my life. This is like better than any drug or high or activity or whatever. So it just felt like the most fun thing I could do. I kept building it. I moved to Nashville August of 2016, which feels crazy because that's been five years and, you know, really bet on the internet. I think I saw early Facebook, Twitter, guys like Kane Brown, Luke Combs, taking advantage of Vine and Facebook. And I feel like the real eyeballs, ears, attention lives on the internet. So, you know, I kind of failed and tried at that for a long time and then saw some traction. And that's kind of what moved me out to Nashville. I finally had enough attention to take some meetings and I was doing the internet thing as the world shut down. And so my ideology collided with, you know, people being on their phones locked in their house forever. So um, TikTok came around and really changed my life. And from learning to play the guitar in my little dorm room, I just hung this up the other day. This is my hundred million streams all time as a career artist. So that's the, the fastest version of where I was to where I am. You know, it's, uh, it's been a crazy journey and, and I love it. It's very fun. What a wild ride it's been for Spencer. But as he mentioned, he really took advantage of his situation and found a way to thrive. He also shared with me what advantages he thinks that an indie artist has over someone signed to a record deal. 
I think it's, it's speed and trial and error. I just have less cooks in the kitchen, which, which can be a pro. Obviously, a label or help of some sort of kind would argue that they are a better cook or they know a little bit more. They can add to you know your dishes, let's stay with the metaphor, and that they can help you get it to more people or feed more people. So um, what I gain in speed and I think a little bit more trial and error, which I think is really healthy and I think a lot of people are afraid of because the industry postures towards the industry. So they're all trying to impress themselves. And as a guy who, not intentionally, but is kind of outside of the industry in some ways, um, I don't really have to worry about it trying to impress anyone except for my fans. So I get to really feed them and it adds value to them. And then they kind of uh, return the favor. And it's this really cool reciprocal nature and relationship. And so I think I get that with independence. I also get, um, I get to own my music, which is really cool. And as you know, the world continues to change. I think that's a really big conversation around master ownership and how much of the pie should you be giving away to expand your business. And it's really just big businesses buying small businesses. And I think small business with the internet has the ability to cut out the middlemen for the first time ever. And so I can go direct to consumer. I can do my own market research. And that's really exciting. That's a big pro. I wanted to know what Spencer's proudest moment has been on his wild ride thus far. I think my proudest moments is not necessarily a moment, but almost more like an ideology shift that there isn't going to be a moment that I'm happy. That plaque on the wall is really, really incredible. And the gross part about being a human is that the novelty wears off and then you want a billion streams. Then you want 20 billion streams. It will never be enough. And so I boiled my life down to create things I love with people I love. And so that to me is the most proud of myself that I've been is that I've kind of let go of some of the metrics and things. Those are awesome and they come and they go and it's a big part of the journey, but I'm trying to enjoy the journey a lot more. And so I'm pretty proud of myself that I've transformed my brain a little bit from, you know, just to be transparent and vulnerable. Like that was something that was really, especially when you move to town, you want the record deal, you want the streams, you want the shows and it changes. And I think the longer I do this, the more I'm just trying to put out the next best song and enjoy the process a little bit more and, and hopefully as you do that, then the cool things come anyway. You know, it's this kind of paradoxical nature of the, the less you care about it, the more it will come to you. Enjoying the journey can be hard, especially when you're in the pursuit of more. I know that having that mindset shift can be so difficult. Heck, I've had it with myself. I had a feeling that Spencer's positive attitude and crazy drive, that that's when he had that aha moment. I always preface this conversation, like the goal has never been like, I'm going to be the Macklemore of country. I'm going to do it independently, but I really focus on the things that I can control and record labels. That conversation to me, it's like saying, I want to be married. It's like, well, yeah, like we'd all want that, but to rush into anything silly. And so make yourself a better version of yourself and you'll attract the right partner, the right label. Right. So I think over the years we've watched things like, like hitting hundred million streams, like getting on the radio, like sitting on the hot country playlist on Spotify where the numbers and the fans were so undeniable that it didn't matter that we didn't have the political pull of a phone call or an email from a manager or a label or a whatever, um, which is really exciting. And it's, it's a testament to my awesome fans that like they are, you know, I, I've said this before, like I'm not sitting there streaming my music a hundred million times, although I've worked really hard on it, people are finding it and sharing it. And so that's the really cool part of being independent is if you're putting out a really good product, hopefully people are sharing it themselves. And I think 
we've seen that over the last year, especially I think Jeff and I, who's my manager looked at each other and we're like, it's not stopping. You know, I've three to five X every time or sorry, every year I've been in Nashville. And if we can continue to do that, it's not that we don't need a label ever. Like that's not an interesting conversation. It's just that we can continue to make things we love with people we love at a higher level every year. And so that continues to be the goal. We're leveling up the production. We're leveling up the storytelling, the branding and all that stuff. And um, I think we both luckily are very business minded, whereas a lot of artists are just creative minded. And so that's part of the, uh, our success independently is that we really treat it like a business and that it operates in that way. And I think that's also an important note in that. It's really hard not to love Spencer's infectious energy and the passion for what he does. It's just contagious. But because it, I know it's not always easy, I wanted to dig a little deeper and know what Spencer's biggest hurdle has been in his career so far. I think early on it was wanting to fit in really bad. I really just wanted to be accepted by my peers in the industry. And it would have been so much easier to just do what other people were doing. And I think I did early on, you know, there's a part of, I think a lot of artists journey, which is like, I tried to be the Kroger version of this person because it was working and, you know, it's very natural. Um, so that's a hurdle I think I've overcome or I'm continuing to overcome. Obviously, like if we're, if we're being frank independently, there's just money. You know, like a label is a big old bank and they can front the money for a tour. They can front the money. So as a small business, I just have to be a lot more intentional where each dollar goes and how we are putting out dollars in the world, making sure they come back at a certain percentage and multiplication. Um, there's also like, there's a, there's a little bit of a loneliness to what Jeff and I do of like, you know, sometimes when we're celebrating, it's like me and him with a big high five, other people you see you know, there's 80 people on their team. So when they throw a party, 80 people are already going to be there. Um, luckily, we have awesome people like our PR team and these third party playlisting people and our, um, our distributors and these people who we've kind of Frankensteined this little mini label without having to give up as much ownership and they're as bought in and they're as awesome. So that's, that's been really nice. But those are all snap roll hurdles of owning your own business, you know. One part of being an indie artist that's really important is branding yourself to new fans. So I was curious to know how Spencer would describe himself to a new fan, like my dad. The easiest elevator pitch that I can make is like if Justin Timberlake was making a country album, it's like, you know, a lot of the sonics and the melodic stuff is going to definitely push you or stretch you. But at the end of the day, I can go to the listening room and play all these songs on an acoustic guitar and make you feel. And I think the biggest difference to me between pop and country is like pop is the soundtrack to the movie country is the movie. And so I love the script that is country music and the details and the, like, it's a red car, not a car. It's a, you know, this kind of hoodie, it's not just a piece of clothing. And so the details and the specificity is still there in the writing, the country instrument instrumentation is still there. I love steel guitar. I love acoustic guitar. I love all these things that country music has to offer. But I love 808s. I love falsetto. I love all these things that, you know, are a little bit different. So I, I really, back in the day, would have tried to explain that to your dad in a way that made him feel comfortable. I feel like as I get older, I feel pretty confident that, like, I can just be me. And if somebody likes it, great. If not, that's okay. You know, it, I don't have to make music for everyone. And I think making music for everyone kind of means you make music for no one. When I chatted with Spencer, he had just released his single Made, which is now blown up. So I wanted to know what surprised him the most about his fans' response. I 
produced the song and we got it all ready to go. And then uh, I told my manager, I'm like, I think I just need like as many shots at TikTok as possible before the song comes out. Cause that's how it's going to really drive, you know, the success of this song is for something to happen on that app right now. It just seems to be where the magic is. And that's where our biggest driver is of fans and engagement and pre-saves. And so we went out to Arizona, we filmed like a hundred TikToks over the course of two trips so that I could just have this ammunition the entire year and um, got super lucky that one out of 20 really popped off and it got watched like 4 million times, half a million likes. And so that song debuted really, really strong. And I think my fans, um, you know, I've had this twice in my life now where like between my person and made, there's just this next level reaction of people going like, I need this now. I, this tells my story. And so it's been one of the, my favorite songs I've ever put out. I think it really, continues to push country music continues to push me it's a story i've always wanted to tell but didn't know quite how to tell it and so all these things together like it just feels like this kind of perfect storm of my person being on the radio as made you know climbs and, and lives this new life and um again it's the fans being awesome they're just like actually buying into what i have to say and as an artist that's all you can ask for you know if there's one thing I've learned from my guests today is that you don't need a record label to be successful. You just need to have a lot of sense of self, good drive, creativity, and never take no for an answer. Make sure you check out these artists' upcoming projects. Check out Smithfield's new EP, New Town, plus their new song dedicated to Trey's dad called Dad's Guitar. Alexandra Kay is out on the road with the one and only Tim McGraw. Plus check out her latest single, Best Worst X. Drew Baldridge is gearing up for round two of his successful Baldridge and Bonfires tour. Head on over to his socials to book him so he can come play in your backyard. And per usual, Spencer Crandall is up to something new and creative. Head on over to his socials to find out more. Plus, go stream his new song, There Is A Fire. Once again, my name is Bobby Dixon and I am the founder of Backstage Bobby a country music news outlet that highlights Chicago's country music scene. Follow me on Instagram at Backstage Bobby and be sure to subscribe to the Country Confidential podcast to hear more insider info directly from all of your favorite country music artists. Country Confidential. The All Country News Country Confidential Podcast is produced by me, Ashley Kim. I also executive produce alongside my team at Horseshoe Media. You can submit your artist, organization, or event to us at allcountrynews.com for a chance to be featured. If you love this episode, please rate and review our podcast wherever you're listening. And a huge shout out to our friends from Restless Road who recorded our amazing theme music for this podcast. All Country News. For more, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at All Country News. Visit us at allcountrynews.com to join our birthday club and subscribe to our weekly industry newsletter. Check out a new episode of Country Confidential every month right here. All Country News.